Super Talk Mississippi media production. And now it's Coast View with Ricky Matthews. Brought to you by J. Allen Toyota, Gulf Coast Business Supply, and AGJ Systems and Networks on Super Talk 103.1 FM. Welcome to Coast View, the show that celebrates every single morning the people who make coastal Mississippi such an amazing place to live work and play. I'm thrilled today because I have a really special guest, Farrell Allman from SF Allman. He's a longtime friend. We were raised uh, nearly next door to one another. We'll come back to him in just a second, but I'm really looking forward to that. In fact, we'll spend the whole show visiting with with uh, Farrell and telling his amazing story. I don't normally get too technical here on Coast View. You know that. If you listen to the show, we know every morning we celebrate the hardworking people who are making this place such an amazing place to, to live. But if you listen to my conversation with Paige Roberts yesterday, who's the executive director for the uh, Jackson County Chamber of Commerce, you heard us talk about the challenges that restaurants are having finding employees. But this is not just a restaurant challenge. This is just about every business in coastal Mississippi. So over the weekend, I decided to do just a little bit of homework on the issue. And here's what I found. I found that, in fact, the federal COVID stimulus unemployment benefit have literally incented people in America who previously made less than $15 an hour to sit at home at least until that current benefit runs out. That's just a fact. Uh, The numbers are mind-boggling, and they're very conclusive, at least from my perspective they are. So here's, here's what I concluded, and I might add it's not rocket science. If you've been paying attention to the jobs report, last, last week it, there, you may have seen the headlines that there was a, the, the most recent report for April was very disappointing, 266,000 new jobs. Now, that sounds like a lot, but the analysts actually expected a million new jobs. We had had 916,000 new jobs in March, so expecting a million, when you think about the kind of ramp up that's taking place, it, it would only make sense that we would see big numbers like that. What What really makes sense, though, is what I call the largest stimulus instrument in the world, the vaccine. (laughs) As the vaccine kicks in and the economy, you know, kicks into high gear, it was natural that we would see the jobs start to come back. Well, certainly the jobs are coming back, but people aren't aren't going forward to to fill those jobs. Uh, What happened, in in fact, is that unemployment went up a little bit from 6% to 6.1%. We had eight. 0.2 million less jobs than before the pandemic started. So if you think about the the vaccine and then also the enormous uh, federal stimulus package that was passed by Congress, and then the fact that people are coming out of hibernation as they get their shots, you should have expected a boom in jobs of of historic significance. And we've seen that. We've seen the jobs coming. Manufacturing, restaurants, casinos, construction, just about every sector of coastal Mississippi's uh, economy. They've been hiring, but they're struggling to find workers. Uh, so this disappointing job uh, report caught a lot of the experts off off guard. But if you think about it, I, it shouldn't have. So a growing number of experts are now starting to join what I call the course of concluding that the boost in unemployment benefits that were part of the most recent uh, federal stimulus package kept literally kept workers from returning to work. It's plain and simple. It provides an unemployment workers, unemployed workers, excuse me, uh, a wage of about $15 an hour. So I decided to do some math of my own and try to understand the situation better. As a result of that math, I joined that course today um, that the that the government's action as it relates to the expanded unemployment benefits is going to contribute 
if it's not already uh, contributing slow to a slowing of the economic recovery. So here's some of the numbers. Now, you know, follow these numbers, and I think you'll agree with me. In 2020, we had about 132 million people employed in America, 132 million. 73, a little over 73 million of those workers were aged 16 or more, and they were paid by the hour. So that's about 55.5% of the total number of workers in America uh, were paid by the hour. Okay, so of the 73.3 million workers paid by the hour, and this is a really important number here, only 247,000. That's actually uh, 0.18% of the total workers are making minimum wage. So the important question we have to ask ourselves is how many people actually made less than $15 an hour? I found a lot of people who were, who were talking about that. Some organizations were pushing for a $15 minimum wage, so they cite a slightly higher number, 42% of the total employees making less than $15 uh, 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 dollars per hour. That's about 56 million Americans. But I found, a, a, I think, a really good source in the Washington Post, which is about 39 million workers making less than 15. That's still at a really big number. So it's somewhere between 28% and 42% make less than $15 an hour. So let's say it's 45 to 50 million people make less than $15 an hour. That, that is a lot of people who are currently unemployed who make less than $15 an hour. So that what that means is now that they're making $15 an hour, they're being incented to stay home. So unfortunately, that's probably not going to improve very much until the, uh, the current benefit runs out in September. But here's my message. In coastal Mississippi, you have to remember that this is there's a lot of seasonal work in coastal Mississippi. So if you're sitting on the sidelines and you're going to wait until September to go look for a job, you probably waited too long in, in many cases. There's going to be a flood of people looking for jobs at that point. Now is the time to look for a job. Uh, you want to send a message to the employer that you care about your future? You want to send a a message to your employee that you want opportunities to move up, this is the moment to do it. You want to get in the job market now, today, because literally there are so many opportunities to choose from. Now is to find the time that, uh, to, to find a job. Don't, do not wait till September. Um, I'm going to switch gears now. We're lucky in coastal Mississippi to have a lot of dedicated small businesses. And I often say here on Coast View that it takes a big-time passion to run a small business. and um, you know, the, the truth is, it's hard work. And but I, I, I would, I would tell you that from the people that I talk to on this show, the small business owners that I talk to, they say this is hard work that they love. Small businesses, though, are the lifeblood of coastal Mississippi co economy. They are the most resilient set of of uh, businesses that I can find anywhere in the United States. I mean, think about it. Think of what what this this set of uh, small businesses have had to endure. Over the past many years, they've had to face natural disasters like Hurricane Katrina. They've had to face uh, man-made disasters like the BP oil spill or the repeated openings of the Bonnie Carey spillway. They've had to deal with the Walmart and now the Amazon effect. Just think over the past 30 years what small business owners have had to endure. If you have a business degree, you've heard the name uh, Peter Drucker. He's, he's been known as the founder of modern business management. He said this about entrepreneurs. The entrepreneur always searches for change, responds to it, and exploits it as an opportunity. And then there's this one, one of my favorites from Walt Disney. All our dreams come true if we have the courage to pursue them. Now, look, both of those quotes uh, describe extremely well my next guest, Farrell Allman. He and his wife, Rose, 
on SF Almonds on Courthouse Road in Gulfport, a company they started when Farrell was 26 years old in 1982. Good morning, Farrell. It's a pleasure to have you on my show, buddy. Good morning, Ricky. Glad to be here. Thanks so much for inviting me to, to come on. And I'm, I'll tell you what, I'm humbled to be on this when you've had so many great people. I'm, I'm humbled to be on that list of great people you've had. Well, like I said, I mean, you're going to be a great inspiration to a lot of people who are either thinking about getting into small business or are in small business. You know, when you think about standing the test of time, you, you've done that, haven't you? Yeah. Well, you know, we, we had a dream, like you talked about earlier that, that Disney said, you have a dream and if you put the hard work in and pursue it, you know, you can, you can do just about anything you want to do. You know, you and I were talking a little bit offline for a second, and I'm going to go back and we're going to kind of retrace your steps here in just a second. But think about your store. So much history has passed through there. I was thinking, man, for 30, what, nearly 38 years, your store has been there on Courthouse Road in one location or another. And the number of families that you've seen come through there, you've seen kids grow up and now they have kids. The, the number of substantial figures from our community that have passed through SF Almond to make great contributions to coastal Mississippi. Man, you look back, there's probably thousands of stories that you could tell. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The, and from, you know, state line to state line, too, you know, not just Gulfport, but the whole Gulf Coast. You know, we've had people that, that will drive over to shop with us because we've got something they can't get somewhere else. And, yeah, we're like third generation now of, of customers coming in to shop with us. And, yeah, just to see the success and to follow them through their careers from, you know, buying stuff to wear to school, to college, and then for their first job interview suit. You know, that what a thrill to be able to sell a guy's first interview suit. Well, my son, Justin, who lives in New York, uh, you and I talked about him a little bit offline, but when he comes home, his favorite, I mean, he lives in New York, but still his favorite sh store is FF Almond because you have such a diverse collection of stuff and, and, uh, you know, so much of what you sell fits right into what he, what he believes is sort of his fashion trend, well, but you hear that a lot, don't you? Oh yeah. And, and God bless him. And like I told you, next time he's in, we'll just go open a charge account and send the bill to you then Ricky. So he can just buy whatever he wants. Uh, he's, doing, he's doing well, man. He can, he can, he can, he can move along. But look, as I mentioned, you and I, we had the opportunity to grow up in Bellevue. We were, I was raised on the corner of Quincy and in Bile Circle, you over there on Bile Circle. Um, when we come back from the break, I, I want to talk about how special a moment that was. If you look around our neighborhood, you know, all if you just go around the block, so many people in that block have gone on to achieve incredible things in their lives. Oh, so, um, you know, if you look back, I think it's a lot about the values. I mean, we were very competitive. We were always driven hard. Uh, yeah. We had you know, just great values. But we're going we're gonna to talk about being raised in Bellevue, where you went on uh, to college, your work in Jackson that ultimately led you to, to own your own business here in coastal Mississippi. We're going to tell all those stories. But when we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Farrell Allman from SF Allman. See you after this break. Coast View on Super Talk 103.1 is brought to you by J. Allen Toyota on I-10 Exit 38 Gulfport. See all the incredible inventory at allentoyota.com. And remember, when you think Toyota, think J. Allen Toyota. This is Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to Coast View. For me to sit down with Farrell Almond is sort of like a blast from the past because we were raised near each other. And as I was saying before we went to break, when you think about it, just go around our block. You think about 
Steve Singleton and yourself and then me and then Riley Morris and Raymond Seal, God rest his soul, and Gordy Myrick and Monty Simpkins and Roy Anderson. You just go around. To, I mean, we had a hell of a neighborhood, didn't we? Oh, we did, indeed. Uh, and and before we get started and people start getting bored and want to change the channel on me, and I don't want to save this to the end, I want to say it right now, that this guy, right wherever I'm pointing, right there, he has worked harder than most anybody else you'll ever meet. So you talk about somebody successful in our neighborhood. When we were out water skiing or swimming in Bio Bernard, getting a citation like your brother-in-law did for swimming behind my house, he was out bussing tables, washing dishes but for the Melaniches, you know, doing going into paramedic, and then he started working for the paper. I remember when you used to order rolls of paper, you said you were responsible for getting the big rolls of paper, and then to make it to publisher, you're the shining example, I think, of success, too. And I just want to get that in before this show ends. Well, I th thank you very much. And look, we, we all came from a place where there were so many positive values, but we, we came from families that really believed in hard work and they weren't just going to hand us our futures. <laughs> we, we had to work. We had to, we had to understand the value of a dollar. I'll go back and look at your dad, your dad, Sam Allman and your mother, God bless them both. They were sort of like parents for the whole neighborhood. <laughs> they kept, they kept yeah. us all straight, but your dad is, you know, was kind of famous, wasn't he, buddy? Yeah, yeah. He he uh, owned and operated the Seven Up Dr Pepper Bottling Company. His grandfather started it in 1932, and then he continued on uh, and bottling the Seven Up right there uh, on 25th Avenue and 28th Street, kind of kind of right there. Uh, it was where his building was, and. They actually bottled. And I remember going up into the syrup room, and that was the sweetest smell. And it was the best place to go when I worked there, especially because that was one of the only built rooms that was air-conditioned. And they'd take those 50-pound sacks of sugar and dump it in those big stainless vats that they would mix up uh, to make the 7-Up. And, yeah, it was just, you know, that was old school back then, bottling. Now you have to have all the distributors have it shipped in. It's made somewhere else. But... Yeah, that was the old way of bottling back then. It was it was special, man. And you guys always had a cooler in your garage, and we would go have a Dr. Pepper or a 7-Up or a New Grape, and you know, very special times. You know, one of the things people looked forward to is your dad's Christmas message every year. Yeah. Uh, I wish we could somehow bring those back. Yeah, Barbara Shalom found some, and then we misplaced those VHS tapes of it. And I, I still have people, some old timers still, that remember those commercials that that come up, and you know, say, "Oh, I remember when your dad did those commercials on WLOX," and they were live commercials back then. I mean, it was like a sixty-second or a ninety-second commercial. And I remember when they started doing videotape. Uh, one of the the interns there came, and that's when they started having cue cards. And so they would say, well, Mr. Allman, we're going to write down what you want to say on these cue cards, and we'll write it down here, and then you can read it. And he said, well, why do I need cue cards? He said, well, just so you can remember once you get into your commercial uh, and know what you want to say. And he said, lady, I don't need cue cards. If, if I can't get up and speak for 90 seconds on my business, I got no, being in, no business being in this business <laughs> then if I can't get up and talk about it for at least 60 seconds. So uh, yeah, one of the great stories uh, out of those commercials. And then he did. He did radio commercials, too, that had a little more uh, heartfelt message also that he did that, you know, he had people call him saying how much that meant to them also. So, yeah, he was a he he, he uh, did have a great message. Yeah, you had back in those days, you had Coca-Cola bottling company. Of course, you had 
your dad's company had the Allen beverages. Yeah. And it was, I mentioned this last week. It was so sad that our friend Drew passed away at the beginning oh, of COVID. Yeah. 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 He was a fishing buddy of mine. He and I would, would go out to Chandelier and spend nights out there on his double shot on his grand banks that he had, that he has with Jason Smith. And, uh, I'll, I'll tell you what, I, I've got to start writing down the jokes that I can recall. I mean, he could tell a joke and it could just sit out there fishing all day long and, and repeat just one joke after another. So yeah, I miss Drew a lot. Well, one of the things we might do might include you. I'm, I'm thinking about dedicating a show to him because he sort of personifies a lot of people who made big contributions died yeah. during this COVID year and we weren't able to celebrate their life. He, he in March, just, you know, just as the COVID situation kind of kicked in, but uh, you know, I served with him on so many, but the Gulf Coast business council, Goodwill Industries of South Mississippi, the chamber. I mean, we worked together yeah. in so many different uh, you know positions over the years. Well, he was such and, uh, a dedicated leader. Bob, me and Bob Walker and Jason were able to go out and, and spread some of his ashes out uh, at Chandelier. Oh, wow. At, at North Island, one of his favorites. Wow. So, we'll have to talk more about that. I, I would yeah. love to tell more about his story. So you, you graduated from Gulfport East High School. You went off to Ole Miss, then to Mississippi College, and you eventually found your way at the Rogue. And that job at the Rogue literally changed your life, didn't it? Yeah. Well, I'd always enjoyed clothes, buying clothes. And I, I, I was buying so many clothes at the Rogue, they finally said, let's offer him a job, you know. So I started working there full time uh, from 79 to 82. And then I had that dream of like, you know what? I can do this back home on the coast. Uh, I had so many customers driving up to Jackson to shop with me because we offered at the Rogue some lines uh, and products that were not being sold anywhere on the coast. So I said, well, I can do this back home. If people are driving up to shop with me, let's you know move back to Gulfport and do it. So Rose and I, we packed our bags in 1982 and moved down and opened in March of 1983 and made our, our dream a reality, worked with the SBA and you know, that eight inches of paperwork you got to go through to, to do that, which is, you know, a lot of work. But today you, you, you've got to put in the work to, to get there. And uh, yeah, 38 years later, you know, thank God we're still here and, and rolling. You know, Farrell, I often say this about Roland Weeks. He, as you know, he was my mentor at the Sun-Herald. But when I was like 25, he made me a division director. And I look back on it now and I think, you know, I thought at the time is he lost his mind. But I look back on it now and I thought, man, you know, in those days, you didn't see young people getting the opportunities like you see today. Young people are emerging and becoming entrepreneurs and whatever. But even back in the day for you to start your own business, it was highly unusual for a 26-year-old dude to do something like you did, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, you know, timing's everything, too, with a lot of things. And uh, I, we just I thought this was the time to do it. Uh because I think we were starting to come out of that recession back then. And so I thought, well, you know, business has got to start coming back. And again, there was nobody selling on the coast what we were doing. A lot of great men's stores on the coast. Uh, you know, the day I opened, Gene Moore called me the day I opened on March 15th, 1983. <laughs> and Gene said, Earl, I wish you moderate success. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, he was, you know, and such a, a great guy, that the whole family and all. So, yeah, there, there was competition. But, again, I thought, well, there's always room for more. And it makes everybody sharper, too, you know, and, and improves the quality. And, and yeah, you always want to try to keep, you know, not be, you know, just be moderate. You know, you, you want to – you don't have, have mediocrity, that is, uh, on the coast. So the more you can strive to not make things mediocre on the coast, 
And all of us in the menswear business down here tried to do that. Well, what you know, if you had to, I want to talk about some of the interesting people that came through your store along the way, but I want to establish how the store became so established and has really stood the test of time. Because, I mean, when I mention, you know, recessions and hurricanes and pandemics and, you know, the, the Walmartization of America and Amazon and what's happened with the way that's working these days, how have you continued to sort of reinvent yourself? Talk about your philosophy as it relates to all that. Well, I got to first say, it's not just me. It's not just Rose. You got to have good employees. And uh, over the years, we've had some great ones. I've got a great manager now in David Bell that I could not do it without him. He just has the, the, the wherewithal and the ability and the talent and a memory to remember names and sizes on customers that come in. You know, we were talking about those generations coming in. He can remember what the kid wore back in sixth grade. And now if he's in college, he can say, oh, he's changed. He's this size now. So having having great employees is, is one of the, the big things there. Uh, and then through our store, just offering customer service, offering things you don't find everywhere else uh, and treating people the way you want to be treated. It's the old golden rule uh, that that's how you can, you know, really make your customer service work. And basically retail boils down to real simple. You sell things people want to buy. Mm -hmm. uh, you just have to uh, be able to offer the things that, that people want and that they can't get anywhere else because there's always a market for the best. And there's always market for things that are unique that people look for, uh, either they're looking for or they don't know they're looking for it. And they come in and say, wow, that's just the coolest thing. So it's the greatest thrill to have somebody walk out of the store holding something saying, this is just the coolest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> and, and we get people in that, you know, that, that talk about, Christmas presents or birthday presents, and especially at Christmas when they say their kids get excited when they see a, a package under the tree that's got an SF almond label on it. So, uh, yeah, it, it's uh, it retail's been a, a great thing for Rose and myself. Well, what's interesting, Farrell, I, and I, I captured in your in your what you just shared the sort of this enduring core value that's really focused on the customer and focused on having the kind of things that would that they would find as specials as, as meeting their needs but but it's even beyond that it's about remembering their names and their sizes and developing this like really really enduring relationship that that ultimately transcends generations but you also had to keep your ear to the ground and you made you made adjustments in your business along went into the women's clothing business you went into sort of developed sort of an outdoors element to what you do when we come back I want to talk about that part and how did you how were you so keen on understanding these are the adjustments that needed to be made that would create great opportunities for your company going forward when we come back we'll continue our conversation with Farrell Almond from FS Almond Listen live or on demand and watch episodes of Coast View on your laptop, desktop, or on your phone or tablet by going to supertalkmsgulfcoast.com. And now, it's Coast View with Ricky Matthews. Brought to you by J. Allen Toyota, Gulf Coast Business Supply, and AGJ Systems and Networks on Supertalk 103.1 FM. Welcome back to Coast View. I have Farrell Allman with me today from SF Allman, an old friend. We were nearly next-door neighbors our whole life growing up. And, uh, you know, Farrell, your story reminds me of a conversation I had last week with a guy named Joe Max Higgins, who runs uh, economic development for the Golden Triangle. And, man, he is, he is very successful. And, in fact, he goes up to Harvard once a year. They do case studies about some of the economic development projects they brought to the Golden Triangle. And, you know, it seems to me they sort of ought to do a, 
a case study on you, that Harvard ought to do a case study on feral almond and rose almond and the work that you guys have done, because it's not just about injecting into your company these enduring core values that help you be successful, but it's about having sort of a sense, a, a sense of when to make adjustments in your business and what what the latest trends are, et cetera. We're going to come back to that in just a second. But before we get too fur, too much further away from this, I want to ask two things. First of all, tell me about your mother. My mother uh, was one of the sweetest ladies, you know, and kind to the folks out there. Uh, she was the daughter of a Baptist preacher uh, and grew up in Jackson, Mississippi, and uh, taught school. Uh, loved teaching school, taught at Fernwood uh, Junior High over in Biloxi for a while. And that's where she met Lloyd Franks and Ernie Brown and all those guys and recruited them to go to Ole Miss to play football up there. Matter of fact, Floyd Franks was one of, you know, Archie Manning's best receivers. Uh, and then she went uh, and taught at Gulfport East High School and just loved kids, uh, loved teaching, and, and loved being a, a mentor to a lot of those kids, too, when she was teaching at Gulfport East High School. Called Humanities. I don't even know if they teach Humanities <laughs> in high school. She, she was a special woman for sure. And the, the second question I wanted to ask you is that, is the Sam Almond bottle a thing? It, I, we look for them whenever we're at an antique shop or things like that. Or always, you know, it, there's always hundreds of bottles. But, you know, I can focus in and look for a 7-Up. And then I can look on the back, and sometimes we'll come across one that has uh, seven up bottle come to Gulfport, Mississippi, and even rarer are the ones that have Sam Allman the third or Sam Allman Jr. Because back then, again, they bottled all their own stuff; they would have to buy the bottle, so they would sometimes have that printed on the back. But yeah, they're they're rare to find. And uh, Doug Price sent me one from Coke. Uh, sent me one of them, and I've I've got them on my desk right here. I can start pulling them out and showing them to you right now. The few that I do have. Uh, but, but yeah, I'm, I'm always on the lookout. So if somebody's got one out there with Sam Allman on the back of a seven up bottle, let me know. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. So interesting to hear that. I mean, th th those were the days for sure. Yeah. So anyway, when we left um, off at the, the last uh, segment, I, I wanted you to kind of talk about how it is you have such a sense of where the changes in your business need to be so that you're staying up on the latest trends, like the outdoor segment. What a significant diversification that was for your business. Yeah, that was in the 90s, uh, and I had uh, always loved the outdoors and wanted to get into doing more outdoor stuff and doing backpacking and things like that. So I said, well, I'll go out and pay retail. Let me go see if I can get the North Face, you know, and, and get because they made great backpacks then. And then other great outdoor lines like Patagonia. So I really started pursuing them. Uh, Patagonia had, had become, you know, starting to become more famous, and they were hard to get back then because they couldn't supply. So uh, and then all of a sudden, it, it did start taking off on college campuses and all. Uh, the kids started wearing Patagonia and North Face. And so, yeah, just it, we got lucky on that one to, to find those and pursue them and get them in. That's been a big part of our business. It's really worked out well for you. Um, and then the women's, the, the women, women's side of the business. Well, after about a year in business, Norman Shirtmakers in Jackson, Mississippi, uh, Barbara Shalom's family had had Norman shirt makers up there, and uh, and they made these little started making these little dresses out of the Madras shirts we wore back in uh, and sold in 1983. They started making ladies' dresses, so we said, "Well, let's put a few on a hat rack," and that just took off. But it's it's a no brainer to go into the women's business, Ricky, because you look, if you could pull out an old phone book anywhere and look through the yellow pages, and you go to the section of women's wear and men's wear. 
The women's wear will take up two or three pages of the yellow pages. The men's might have a quarter of a page of men's wear stores in a city. So it's a natural to go after what, you know, what, where the business is. And it was in women. So we decided to do that. Hey, hey before we get too far away from Rose, because she's been a great partner for you. She was also an incredible partner uh, on the uh, the whole process of creating the Lynn Meadows Discovery Center, wasn't she? Yeah, yeah, very proud of her and Carolyn Meadows and the the dream they had when they had like twenty thousand dollars left over from. Uh, if you remember at Camille, they built the uh, teen center down in the harbor, and it didn't even open. I don't think. And Camille came through, blew it away. They got the insurance money. Rose becomes president of the uh, down here and. Uh, she said, what are they doing with this money? She became president of the junior league or uh, junior auxiliary down here. And they said, well, no, it's just been sitting there since, you know, Camille. She said, we've got to do something. We need to build a, a children's museum down here. And she started talking to Carolyn Meadows and the rest is history. The rest is history. I'm actually going to invite the two of them together to, to come on and join me. Oh, you and tell their story. What was cool about them when I was publisher of the Sun Herald, even before I was publisher of the Sun Herald, if they ever ask you for anything, I never felt like I was in a position to ever say no. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> no. <laughs> the, 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 they were so determined. I mean, it was amazing. And you and I, you know, just got, coming back to the namesake of the museum, you and I had the opportunity to know Lynn. Mm -hmm. And yeah, uh, what, a, what a tragic death. But what a yeah. great way to sort of immortalize her and, and make such a great contribution, not just to coastal Mississippi, but to uh, Children's Museum in the entire state. Yeah, and won national awards, too. Amazing stories. Hey, look, um, there have been some famous people come through. You got invited to go to a chamber meeting once, and uh, that kind of messed you up in terms of being part of history, didn't it? Yeah, Wade Jones is Wade Jones's fault. Yeah, uh, and we had just hired John Smallwood, my very first employee, uh, to work, and I said, John, I'm going to leave you in, in charge of the store today. I'm going to leave for the first time. I was invited to go out and do some networking at the chamber luncheon. And Rose left to go run some errands. She had never left the store either really much. So we're leaving it in your hands. So we leave, go to the luncheon. I come back, and I start going through the tickets, you know, to say, oh, did you do any business, Johnny? And his head's going up and down like this. And she yes, yes. So I'm going through, and I said, Harrison Ford. And I go back, and I said, Harrison Ford? Is this Harrison Ford, the Harrison Ford? And Johnny's shaking his head up that way. He stood right here. <laughs> the Harrison Ford? I go to a luncheon and I miss Harrison Ford coming into my store. He said he stood right here. And so, yeah, and, but yeah, it was an interesting story. They were going on the Kennedy's boat. They were going to stay on it while they were filming uh, down in Belize. Yeah, uh, what was the name of that movie? Anyway, the movie he was in down there, and he was going to live on the boat instead of living on the on Belize. And so they were delayed getting out, and he needed to go do some shopping. So he came in, and yeah, John said, "Yeah, he pulled out this big Bowie knife and cut the tags off there at the counter." And uh, so yeah, it was it's a nice guy, but yeah, uh, missed missed it. Uh, John Smallwood from Gulfport lives in Dallas now, but he he became actually a partner with you on another venture. Yeah, yeah, we uh. uh we had an opportunity when the Hard Rock was opening to put a high-end jean store. I mean, you know, rock and roll jeans, that all goes together. So uh, uh, and John had his thumb on the pulse living in Dallas and being in the wholesale business to be able to, uh, you know, tell us, hey, let's." he knew the lines to get. So we uh, partnered up, business partners, and opened up Taunt uh, at the Hard Rock. We actually opened it twice 
you know, we, we Hard Rock got open. Katrina came through. When we went down there to look, I could stand at the front door and you could see the Gulf of Mexico on the other side. And I mean, we were right on the very front of the Hard Rock, too. So, I mean, it, it was incredible to see the, the damage. If you really wanted to see the ferociousness of that storm. So, so uh, we just kind of shut that down and said, you know, I've got to get SF Allman back up and going. Uh, and, and we just said, we'll just see what happens. And sure enough, you know, Hard Rock, as the whole casino industry, you know, is such an example. Determination, they came back and they said, we'd like to have you back. So we said, all right, we'll do it, you know. And so uh, we did. And uh, after having it 12 years or so, uh, we ended up selling it. But uh, that was a good run for us down there at the Hard Rock. Learned a lot. What a story. I mean, when I say I can't think of a set of small businesses anywhere in America that's had to endure the need to bounce back, you know, I call it resiliency. It's part of our DNA here in coastal Mississippi. But, man, that's that's just one of many <laughs> incredible stories. Yeah. Commitment. Dude, yeah. you got to dig deep. You, you're, you're, you're going places you've never been before digging that deep, aren't you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And the other thing was we were waiting on an elevation certificate for our insurance to come in. And where's the elevation certificate? Got to have that to get your insurance. Okay, we'll have it for you on Friday. Friday. Storms in the Gulf, we can't write your insurance. Storm hits Monday. So the rest is history on that. Or, you know, so uh, insurance had not taken effect on that either. So that was tough. And I, and I got to say, you know, it was so scary back then, Ricky, that all of us said, where are we going to be? Are we going to make it through this? You know, I mean, is our business, our lives totally changed? This is the devastation. COVID had a little bit of that, that same thing that I think we all, the COVID is teaching the whole nation they're seeing what we went through on the coast and the whole state, too. Mr. Which is one of the reasons I think we've had such a good recovery, relatively speaking, is because we know what it's like to sort of take the situation as it is and say, okay, this is what we got to do. We're going we're gonna to deal with it. And we're good at that. And that's something that's in our, deep in our DNA. Hey, there's a time when Whoopi Goldberg came by the store. We'll talk about that story when we come back yeah. from break. We'll yeah, see you after yeah. this break with Farrell Almond from F.S. Almond. Also, listen live to Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on your Amazon Alexa devices. Once you've enabled the skill, just say, Alexa, open Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast. This is Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back. Super Talk Today is kind of a delightful day for me because I get a chance not only to look back, but also to kind of tell the story of someone I grew up with who has really stood the test of time. It's an entrepreneur that has brought passion and dreams and 38 years later, still rocking and rolling with excitement that he had and the passion that he had back when he started his business back in 1992, 1982, excuse me, Farrell Allman from FS Allman. Farrell, when we went to the break, I mentioned that in addition to the, the visit that you missed with Harrison Ford coming by, also, Whoopi Goldberg came by one day. Yeah, she was in town uh, with Joe Camp. Joe Camp invited her to come spend Christmas. And so uh, he was from Gulfport. He's the one that did the Benji movies. So Christmas Eve, it's packed in the store. And she comes in and 
Jamie Van Kirk Anderson back there came in and said, we'll be Goldberg's out front. I said, okay, I'll go out there. I said, oh, how you doing? Meeting her. And uh, she said, uh, and she had on this really cool, casual cotton navy blazer on. It was a men's jacket. And she was looking in the mirror. I said, hello, we'll be Goldberg. Farrell. I'm glad to have you. She said, I think I'm going to have to take this off your hands. And so she pulls out this men's wallet. It's just got every record of every receipt of everything she's ever bought, I think, in it. She said, well, I'm going to have to get this. So we go up front. And David Bell, my guy, says, did you sell the Navy Blazer? Yeah. He said, well, the Atkins over there have already said they want that for their son for a Christmas gift. And she picked it up and tried it on, and now she's buying it. What am I going to tell the Atkins? So Whoopi heard that, and she said, I got this. So she wrote a note and said, dear Gunner, sorry I bought your Navy Blazer. If it was going to be your Christmas gift, <laughs> I'm going to really enjoy it. Whoopi Goldberg. So, of course. <laughs> was just the the hit then for Christmas for him. What a great story. What a good man. You know what? So many amazing stories. And like I said, you've watched so many people generations go through. I remember, you I mean, Farrell Almonds, I mean, excuse me, FS Almonds has a, a special place in my heart because I was really dear friends with Larkin Smith, thought the world of him. My wife, Ann, actually did an internship with him a couple of years before he passed away. But the last time I saw him, it was like a month or two before he had the tragic plane crash. I saw him in your store. Yeah, yeah, and and he shopped with me some, and just you know what a guy that was such a positive influence for the whole coast, and miss him you know a lot as everybody does, and uh, luckily we've got some people that have stepped up that are you know are there and doing a good job, but I'll tell you what he's missed. What might he have done have he, had he not? You know, you can always yeah what if scenarios but man he was such a strong and powerful statue and personality i think he would have made his mark in ways we can't even imagine yeah yep. you always thought that being involved in the community was really a big thing i mean the gridiron club century club upport yacht club you've been an active as a methodist you've uh you've just about done it all but one of the things that i'm really impressed with is that you've been involved you've been involved as an election commissioner um boy Free and fair elections, we cannot overstate how important that is, can we? Nope, we can't. And uh, when George Schlegel asked me back in 2012 to, to come on board, I had no idea, you know, always voted, but never knew all the intricate things that go into an election and the things that the Secretary of State, you know, they've got all the rules down at the Secretary of State. So it, it makes the job somewhat easy in that you just follow, you know, their guidelines on how you're supposed to run an election. But it's up to us to make sure that we try to get the quality people to be the poll managers to come in and, and run the polls. And that's a message that I'd love to talk about even more with you later and, and try to get the word out that we need more people to volunteer, you know, to uh, be poll workers on election days. Uh, I just run the city elections. I don't do county. I don't do the runoffs. That's all the executive committees for the two parties do. But uh it's it's so vital to have some involvement from the community, to good quality people to run the polls. Because what Tip O'Neill always said, you know, politics are local, and uh, it is indeed uh, it is local. So people get, need to get out there and get involved. Yeah, it's a it's an intricate process, and we're lucky we're lucky over so many years that we've had a lot of people involved in that process. But like, like I say so many times before, in terms of volunteers in coastal Mississippi. We need volunteers in so many different ways. I often refer to them as the thousand points of light. So we may have we may have you know, official 
organizations that are involved, but there are always going to be gaps here and there. We can never have enough volunteers no. to achieve the good things that need to occur in this community, whether it's the Lynn Meadows Discovery Center or efforts through the church or the election process. You know, we can we can use them in every way. Hey, Farrell, in the closing thoughts, I want to read something to you. And I just want to get, you know, you can kind of close and we'll, we'll get your thoughts about this. But one of the things that I think is so important is that people should always think about shopping local. You know, the, the power of shopping local. And I, you, we didn't even get a chance to talk about the impact of the Internet and the Walmartization of the world. But by shopping local, we're creating jobs. We're creating local jobs. We're keeping the money in the local economy. We're investing in entrepreneurship like yours. We're nurturing a sense of community, which is really important. And, you know, for people who care about the environment, we're reducing waste and conserving energy because it's happening local. You don't have to have trucks bring the stuff to your house. Um, what, we, we got less than a minute left, but what's your, what's your final thought about that? Well, you know, technology has changed things to where it drives shopping beyond just, just local. And there's so many opportunities to do. But if you'll keep in mind, you know, that, hey, the local people, our local businesses and retailers, they probably have what you want. And the more you shop local, the more it's returned back into the community. And so it's just, it's, it's vital for that because, uh, yeah, the, the whole internet thing has changed retail in big ways, even to where I'm competing with my own vendors, you know, who yeah. are selling directly online. So, uh, yeah, if you buy local, you keep your dollars local. Uh, Anna Lapp, L-A-P-P-E, once said this, every time you spend money, you're casting a vote for the kind of world you want. Well, I can tell you kind of world we want here in coastal Mississippi. We want a better place to live, work, and play in. And the way we can have a better place to live, work, and play in is support our local businesses by keeping our shopping local. Anyway, Farrell, it's been an absolute pleasure to spend some time with you. I wish we had another hour. But uh, we'll get together soon. There's several potential conversations that we can. Oh, yeah. Let's do I, I never even had to pull out your old high school annual picture here that I've got in here. I uh -oh. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. This has been Farrell Almond from SF Almond. It's been a pleasure, buddy. Have a great day. You too. God bless you. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Super Talk MS Coast 103.1. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.